Hi, this is Dan Morrell, host of Skydeck. I wanted to ask for a quick favor. We're running a two-minute, 10-question listener survey that will really help us continue to bring you these great, engaging stories of HBS alumni. You can find the survey at alumni.hbs.edu slash skydecksurvey. Again, that's alumni.hbs.edu slash skydecksurvey. And beyond the survey, if you ever want to drop us a note, you can find us at skydeck at hbs.edu. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, now for today's show. When Leticia Garriott de Kaya started at HBS in 2002, the private space industry was really just starting to ramp up. Elon Musk had just founded SpaceX, and Jeff Bezos' Blue Origin was still three years away from launching its first test vehicle. Today, Morgan Stanley estimates that the global space economy is worth $350 billion and projects that it will grow to $1 trillion by 2040. Garriott de Kaya says that the change from an era where government led the development via NASA to an era where industry leads has sped up the pace of growth and primed the space sector for investment. Co-founder of space technology company Escape Dynamics and a longtime investor in the industry, she spoke to associate editor Julia Hanna during spring reunions about what everyone needs to know before getting involved in the business of outer space. Do you think that, just more broadly, that there's a tipping point in terms of infrastructure and, and policy when investing in space is going to take off even more? Like, what do you think needs to happen, if anything, before that occurs? Uh, that's a really interesting question, because uh, on one hand, there is an enormous amount of capital formation in the sector, and that's very exciting. On the other hand, and I think it's important for everybody to, to, to really hear both sides of this, uh, there are only a handful of companies that really make it to, to, to large levels, right? SpaceX is today a $33 billion company, uh, but it, it, won't, it wouldn't take long to cite all the companies that are above a billion dollars. There are not that many, right? Uh, and so it, it's, it will still take more steps for, for this to become uh, an industry that's investable in the kind of way we're used to investing in other sectors. So I would say that today, investing in the space sector, you sort of have to have a cherry-picking approach. I think another thing that's helpful uh, for people who wish to invest in the space is to also be flexible as to the stage at which they will invest. So, for example, my second largest position in a space company most of this year was in a company called Viasat, uh, which is a publicly listed company. So that was my second largest position after SpaceX. It's not like my second largest is not an early stage, another early stage company, right? So uh, I, I think that what what needs to happen in the industry, uh, since that, that was part of your question for, for this to change, um, there... Once I think once we have the constellation up there, we'll start seeing hosted payload potentially that can you know with all kinds of services. Whether it will be the large uh, companies that are putting those 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 uh, satellites up there that will benefit directly, or put or other third parties that could rise up from that is one thing we could look at. The cost of access to space though is really the the key thing. And you were involved in founding. Uh, a space company, Escape Dynamics, where you served as uh, chief operating officer. Um, it's a company that 
really advanced the technology of uh, beamed energy propulsion. And that company has since actually transitioned over onto NASA's roadmap. Um, Can you talk a little bit about uh, the significance of that technology and why it actually, in this case at least, made sense for the government to take more of a role? Yeah, so the beamed energy uh, propulsion is significant because it's the only way to... uh, to do single stage to orbit. With beamed energy propulsion, you could have, you know, sort of space planes that go to space, come back. They could go to Hong Kong, you know, uh, in an hour, an hour and a half. Uh, it, so it's, it's a complete more aircraft-like operation to space and on Earth via space. And, and, and perhaps even more importantly, uh, the model would allow to bring the cost down to hundreds of dollars per kilogram. And while it's come down from $25,000 to $5,000 per kilogram, we're not there. We're not yet at the hundreds of dollars that, that beamed energy could bring. Uh, the reason uh, we eventually let the government take back the lead on this rather than pursue it as a commercial effort, and ultimately the cost of the overall system was still going to be in billions of dollars. And so uh, we thought, okay, who's in a best position to actually continue mitigating those risks and advancing the technology? I mean, the government is in the best place. They have all the testing, and, and it will take much longer done by government, but it's we're still riding down that cost curve with chemical rockets as a country and as humanity, and so right. let's just do that. <laughs> right, right. So obviously there's risk in space just as there is in any investing area, but what is, what are the, how are the risks different in space? Like, how would you quantify that or, or how would you describe it? So, uh, I mean, there are a number of lenses we could take uh, on the risk front. On the technology side of things, there are things that, I mean, sending a rocket to space, Elon and SpaceX make it look easy, but it's really tough. And one thing to know is that when uh, you, you do something called your mass budget, and uh, you could easily, on the secondary structure uh, of your vehicle, be off, not because you forgot to account for anything, but just you're not accounting for it properly, that it could literally double uh, the, the mass, the dry mass of your vehicle, and it could mean that you're not going to make it to orbit. And those are mistakes that can be done with very strong engineers. On the people side, something that uh, I realize is it's actually easy for engineers to to have the not made here syndrome or not invented here syndrome. So kind of the idea that, well, if it's, we need to do everything ourselves, like, or, or we need to invent or what's invented elsewhere is not as good. So you want the person writing the IP to not be all about their invention, but really look at all the third party uh, science in a very matter-of-fact kind of way. So I found that there's a lot of sort of training of the teams to make sure that uh, the ideal background is people that are both, you know, scientist, engineer, and and have a business for uh, training all together. But oftentimes you'll have people who have just a business background or just the science or just the engineering background and getting them to talk and really value each other's perspective and working as a team to make it work. Mm. was critical. Mm-hmm. 
And of course, when we invest, we want to make money. Um, but when we're investing in space, um, I think you and others might have the view that there's more at stake, perhaps, when we think about, you know, our planet and resources here and, uh, you know, whether it's sustainable to stay on Earth. So what, what are some of the things that motivate you aside from the financial returns when it comes to investing in space? It's humanity in some ways at stake. I mean, with, without trying to make it bigger than it is, but uh, we can start right there with you know all the extinction events that may happen. I think there's one every 200 million years or so, and the last one was 65 million years ago. Now, of course, it doesn't mean that we're safe for the next 140 or so. Uh, it just means it could happen any time, right? And uh, the ones we know of. Uh, the dinosaurs, etc. Uh, it was asteroid impacting the Earth, and so if it's if there is asteroid impact, if it's a small asteroid, first we have to know that it's going to hit, and then we have to find a way to deflect it, right? Uh, but but if it's a big one, we likely won't be able to do much other than leaving Earth. And well, I you know I'm not predicting we will, or or kids will, or grandkids you know, it may happen. And so we'd better be ready for it. Unless we have colonies elsewhere than on Earth, uh, there is a time that humanity could disappear. Uh, so that's sort of the, the very, you know, a doom scenario kind of thing. But uh, there is a talk by uh, Jeff Bezos that, uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, I would encourage you to look for it. And I really like how he put that the key problem we have on Earth is one of energy. And that uh, however you slice it, we're going to run out of energy. Uh, today, you could cover the entire Nevada desert with solar cell, and you'd take care of all the energy needs of the entire planet. Uh, you fast forward a couple of generations, and uh, you actually would need to cover the entire Earth uh, with solar cells, which uh, is not practical and won't happen. And and. You know, you could say, well, green tech, more energy efficiency is the answer, but every energy efficiency solution that has existed has always led to an increase in the use of energy because it becomes cheaper and so we use it more. So the fact that the usage of energy will keep increasing is not one we can actually solve. And, and so... His point is that if we start looking out in the solar system, you know, there is pl plentiful abundance of energy out there, and, and we need to turn ourselves to space for that reason. And, and again, uh, start thinking about colonies that are not just on Earth. Uh, and I think that's a powerful argument, and I agree with that. Uh, from a financial perspective, when you're making some of these early stage uh, investments, what's the time horizon that you're looking at for? Uh, uh, so, you know, just like any venture investment, uh, 10 years, I would say. But for SpaceX, it was bigger than that. When I first invested, uh, Elon actually said to me, are you fine with your money being, you know, completely locked up? Nothing for 50, I think he said 15 years. And I said, sure. Like, I, you know, I, uh, when I think... 
when you you trust the entrepreneur and the vision and and but but generally speaking there are a lot if you're interested in seeing what companies are out there there is a platform called um the space angels network they have a lot of the very early stage companies uh you know it's it's interesting to go and see i would still again caution you that there are so many the capital formation is really high and so go there with friends experts uh you know play small bets to start you know do it by passion uh it's still early uh hi my name is Josh Spry I'm class of 2014 um there are a lot of personalities in this in this area you mentioned Jeff Bezos you mentioned Elon Musk do you think these big personalities are good for ultimately getting to where we need to be or do you think it's bad i i think uh you know you need you need people that are devoted to the mission and are going to stay the course it uh it's much faster than it was when it was government led but you need you need strong personalities i feel that you know between elon musk and jeff bezos there there are some of the best entrepreneurs we have in the world right now so uh the industry is lucky and uh often time people are complaining you know is there too much money going towards the space sector but the reality is that this money is now being in some way co-invested or supporting uh, entrepreneurs that are bringing tons of capital efficiency to the system so the amount of money that's been saved to taxpayers because of people like Elon Musk being involved is actually staggering and so i i think it's a good thing great to see a, a french compatriot uh, in this space very exciting <laughs> Um I wanted to follow up on the market side of things it's a very niche market you would say and do you think uh, things like space tourism actually will be the way to actually bring in even more capital and and really grow those those markets So uh is space tourism what's going to sort of be the tipping point I don't think that's where the market is if if you ask me where the market is it's going to be in the satellite constellation and the 30 billion dollar annual revenue that it will add to to SpaceX uh revenues uh hopefully uh you know and and I think ultimately in a more people centric approach eventually but that's much longer term Mars colonies or O'Neill colonies these are colonies that would be closer to earth is more where I think the next step is more than tourism itself Scottick is produced by the External Relations Department at Harvard Business School and edited by Craig McDonald. It is available at iTunes and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. For more information or to find archived episodes, visit alumni.hbs.edu/skydeck.